Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nashonda Shines. Welcome back to another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. You got it. I am still thrilled to just be with you guys today to do what I love by helping you with these wonderful stories that we bring you each week. This week, mm -hmm, yeah, I'm probably fangirling and just so excited because it's very rare to see a person of color reach a pinnacle in a sport, especially a sport like triathlon. And this particular person is the first African-American man to go pro in the sport of triathlon. But listen, he's just not that. In 2020, he was named the most interesting person, mm -hmm, man in triathlon by Triathlete Magazine. You want to know why? I got you. He's a cold brew connoisseur, which you all know he has a wonderful company with great coffee. Fan coffee, if you will. Mm -hmm. He's a reality TV star, an aspiring politician. What? You better get in that local government and government situation. I see you. He's into archery. Now you already know to have a black person in the woods and then the fact to do archery, child, he is on it. And he's a wanderer, but most importantly, he is an advocate for black people in this sport. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tribe Beginners Luck Podcast, Mr. Max Fennell. Hi, Max. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, yes. Look at that uh, coffee in the back. Clearly, that's what my focus is. I'm like, if I could just get some right now, I love it. Um, okay, wonderful. People don't want to hear me talk, but they want to know more about who you are. And I feel like it's so important to just highlight stories. And it's definitely uh, my pleasure and honor to have you on today. And I feel like the more that we can get stories out that show diversity, the more that this sport can grow. And we're here to help beginners. And so I just want to get right into it. How did you get into the sport of triathlon? I always share with everyone I was an accidental triathlete. I was tr trained to become a professional soccer player. And at that time in Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Union hadn't really been created. So I had this in my mind that I was just going to go try out for their, you know, practice squad, see if I can make their practice squad and work my way onto the team. But what happened was I ended up uh, spraining my MCL in a pickup soccer game and I was working at a coffee shop at the time and this individual came in saw me limping and he was like what are you going to do now and I was just like I don't know maybe I'll go do uh, an Ironman and he was just like ah slow down buddy <laughs> like an Ironman's a big deal and he's like we live in Philadelphia we have one of the best triathlon races in the nation why don't you train for the Philadelphia try and I'll give you uh or I'll lend you my old triathlon bike and I thought he was just going to lend me like, you know, just like a basic bike, but it was actually turned at that time, a very, very nice triathlon bike. And I ended up doing pretty well in my first try and I stuck with it ever since. I would have to agree. Philly try and maybe it's Philly try rock uh, is a dope race and it takes you all throughout Philadelphia. And uh, I've done that race before. It's actually one of my first races. So I love it. And what I want to hit on is that a gentleman who you may have known for a while or not loaned you a bike. That's the power of this community in this space. I promise you, triathletes are the most giving individuals, especially when they want you to try. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that's what I like most about the triathlon community and endurance sports as a whole, since they're not as mainstream, there tends to be more of a community aspect, as well as I'm sure you know, and your listeners know that when you get into the sport, you want to get everyone else involved in the sport. And I think that's really what it stemmed from was someone just seeing a version of, them, of themselves, but happened to be injured. And it's just like, well, you know, you still have an opportunity to, to excel in sport. And here's a pathway to do that. Right. So were you, so I know you were going out to be an elite soccer player and go out for the pros. Is that the sport that you played the majority of your high school and college career? Or did you play other sports as well? I was a multi-sport athlete growing up 
in middle school and and in high school and even a little bit in college, but I'm mainly in high school. I was wrestling. I played varsity soccer and I ran track. So, you know, I was, I was just your standard kid that was always outdoors, right? I used to ride BMX bikes, go off jumps, you know, get dirty, whatever it was, I was into it, but I was playing at, I was always playing soccer at a very high level at a young age. I love that. And so you always knew that you wanted to be a professional because you have a professional mindset. I've been reading a lot about you. And uh, one of the things that I want to kind of touch on is your mindset. I read in an article that you write down 10 goals every day. Do you still do that? Well, since I accomplish a lot of my goals and I will consider myself a master manifester, right? I'm a director of my journey. So I'm literally at the point now where it's like my goals are also roughly the same, but they are happening on a daily basis. So like, you know, there might be business goals, uh, sales goals that I, I want, you know, there's professional, there's other professional goals that I want. Uh, there's a media goal that I have that I, that's why I do podcasts and all these things, but the, a lot of the goals are always ongoing. Right. So, you know, I might write my goals down and just mentally, and I'm just off at that place where I'm putting in pr- place to achieve those goals. So it's like, you know, I want my store to be in a thousand different locations, right? I want Fen coffee to be sold in a thousand different locations. Well, that's not going to happen overnight, but I'm doing things every single day that put me up on that path to achieving that goal. So I don't necessarily need to write those goals down every day right now, but let's say if I'm like, if I'm mentally off or I'm just like, I'm feeling like I'm not manifesting as quickly as I, I, as I would like, or I'm not seeing anything coming around the corner, then I'm going to divert myself back to my goals, write them down, maybe write them down for a few days. And then bam, next thing you know, something happens in my life and I'm back to grinding and making my goals a reality. I love it. I love it that you, you're the director of your dreams. Is that what you said? Director of my journey. Journey. I love it. Director of my journey. I love that. Okay. So speaking of your journey, let's talk about your journey into triathlon. So you did your first race in 2011 and then tell us how did you get to the road to prof- to professional? So I know the rules have changed now. At that time, you could qualify for your pro card if you placed top three in a pro qualifying race. And then there were like a few other different pathways. So for me, I went to a race and ended up placing third overall in that race. Um, And that was 2014, which then allowed me to compete in my first pro race. Uh, earlier that year at Miami 70.3. So my first pro race was Miami 70.3. Wow. And just to kind of give some backstory for those of who may not know you, you like to specialize in like the shorter sprinter sprint races, but your first race was Miami 70.3. So talk about that and the difference between your, your training and getting ready for that as your first big race. Yeah, so I've always had endurance. I've always had a nice endurance-based foundation. It's just for me, during that time when I was a little bit younger, I'm I'm still more of a power-based athlete. So coming from a soccer background, I was a forward, right? So I, I'm used to short bursts, going all out, going as hard as possible, and then recovering. So from a physiological standpoint, it's going to take a little bit for my body to kind of just transition from going power base to more endurance base. And, and that process has been long, but I'm now just getting to that point of being, all right, I'm ready to go crush it at 70.3. So at that time, I was always just knowing that it was going to be a long process. So it was just like, all right, let's start doing these races now, figure out how my body's going to react so we can start making the changes so that now um as i get more serious about being a contender at that distance i now have a lot of a lot of things worked out so for me from a physiological standpoint 
if I go really, really hard for two hours, I will lose 11 pounds of weight, right? So it's very hard to perform at an optimal level if we know that I'm going to go get on the bike and potentially then put my body in a deficit and then have to go run for 90 minutes while my body's actually trying to recover, right? It, it takes a long period of time for your body to go from losing 11 pounds to now burning its energy very metabolically efficient. Okay, that was a lot. And I'm sure, you know, my beginner <laughs> triathletes are like, what? What are you talking about? This is so much. So what distances do you currently race or what distances have you done? Have you done sprints, Olympics, 70.3 and fulls? Or like, have you done the full gamut? Where are you with racing and what have you done? Yeah, so I've done mainly anywhere from super sprints up to 70.3s. And to circle back to like give clarity with that long answer, in triathlon, to be an endurance athlete, you really want your body to burn calories as efficiently as, a, as possible. If you're someone that's predisposed to burning calories at a high rate, right? So saying like you have a full tank of gas, but you burn through that tank of gas in an hour rather than being like a previous and burn that tank of gas in four hours. It takes a number of years for your body just to change and then be able to burn that tank of gas for over a four hour period. So right now my body just loves just the short one hour races as hard as I can go running as far as hard as I can go. Um, but now I'm finally getting to the point where it's like, oh, my body actually wants to cruise for four hours <laughs> and enjoy itself rather than like, oh, let's just go hard for one hour. And so that's why I'm now stepping up to the 70.3 distances. I love what you said. Getting to talk to our first African-American female triathlete, Sika Henry, last season, she talked about, you know, when she was younger, she could not stand, you know, long distances and it was just brutal, but she began to get an appreciation for it. And it's opposite for you. You definitely like the short burst. And now your body is as well, getting an appreciation for that long cruising and making sure your body like metabolizes everything well. So what I would like to say to those of you who are listening, there is a sweet spot for everybody. And I would say, try all the distances to see what you like the best, what your body responds to the best. But don't just not do it because you're afraid of the distance. Actually train for it, do it, and then make the determination and see what works best for you. So, Mr. Max, what is on your tri agenda these days? Like, what are you doing with triathlon right now? Well, so it's interesting. So I think you touched on the fact that I've gotten into archery. So now that I also have incorporated into my life the archery and hunting aspect. It's I'm now like, oh, I got to schedule things around hunting seasons because I still want to be able to get out into the wilderness. But this year, I have a, with 2022 and certain things opening up, I really have a goal this year mentally just to really, really go as hard as possible, race as much as possible, race wherever I can, whenever I can, just like I've been in the gym, I've been hitting the weights. I've just been like getting my body very, very durable for just like, I really for like, you know, come February, race from February to November, like have a race on the schedule every single month and just keep going and see what happens. I love it. And so seeing that we're in February now, what are you racing this month? Oh, that's to be determined. <laughs> I, I'm still working on those logistics, but I will let everybody know once I put that down on the calendar, but I have some races that I'm looking at and just working on those logistics. I love it. I think, you know, because it's been such a long journey back, people are wanting to see you race and not just wanting to see you race, but actually probably be at some of the races you're racing. So definitely be sure to let us know where you're racing so that you can have people who are out there racing and supporting you because I mean, who doesn't want to be at a race with Max Fennell? I mean, yeah. I don't know who doesn't want to do that. <laughs> okay. So you're getting, you're in the gym, you're working out, you got these great plans. 
what are some of your goals for 2022 in terms of the race, in terms of racing? So obviously I'm a person that's big on goals, right? And I compete as a pro and I always think about winning, but I also say you also got to be careful what you put out into the universe because yes, it's one thing to put out to the universe that you want to win, but you also have to define what is winning to you, right? So for me, like, you know, a lot of the times my definition of winning, especially being one of the only few black faces out there is showing up to the starting line and then enjoying myself because for, for me, and I think Sika feels the same way, there's just, there's still a level of weight that's there because as I'm sure certain of your listeners understand that when you're a black person going into a space where you're the only black person, there's a level of anxiety and stress that comes with that because you don't really feel comfortable in that space. Right. So a lot of times I'm going into races already having to deal with, all right, I'm going to be the only black person in this room. Right. Don't necessarily feel the most welcome. And then I also have to perform at my highest level. So to keep myself in that very, very competitive space and keep things balanced, going, my main goal is to race, have a healthy year, go to all the races that I want to go to and enjoy myself, be in the moment. I love being outdoors. I love this lifestyle. Um, I love interacting with the, the community. So yes, obviously I want to win some races, but I mainly just want to show up on the starting line and, and compete. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, sometimes we have, that's a form of self-care, just showing up and doing what you need to do to feel uh, your very best. And I think you hit on something very key about defining what is a win to you. There's so many different, um, if you don't know and define what your win is to you, you can definitely get lost in the world's way of winning. And I think that's such a huge point to identify, especially to those of you who are listening, define what your win is and don't let anyone else try to dismantle that for you. And also to Max's point, show up, you know, whether you're the only Asian person in the room, the only black person in the room, the only uh, paratriathlete in the room, show up. And I think that's important uh, because if we don't show up, then the sport can't get more diverse. And speaking of that, I see that that's, uh, it, it, it's still a challenge. And I know that the new buzzword is that representation matters, but how do you really feel about representation? And do you feel that the representation matters in triathlon spaces as much as it's said that it is? Representation absolutely matters. And I, and I think a lot of people are saying it. I think a lot of companies got inspired for a hot minute and then they disappeared on that. Uh, I know from my end, I, behind the scenes, I, I will say I aggressively hold people accountable and let them know that things aren't okay. The status of where they're at right now in 2021, there's more that people, there's more organization, there's more that organizations can be doing. And I know that they're doing those things. I, you know, I speak with USA Triathlon, I sit on their DEI board, um, and I'm very, very outspoken about the need for things to happen rapidly, quick. Like, I don't have any patience anymore when people talk about representation. I'm like, there's things you can do now. You could be hiring people in your offices, and you can be, <laughs> you can be, you can be supporting the right athletes right now. There's, I don't need to hear any, oh, well, we're working on it. Well, here are some suggestions of what you can do. Um, and I'm also excited for the, for the up and coming athletes, right? We've got Holly, we've got Justin, we've got, uh, we've got Sade that are young athletes that have very bright futures. I, you know, I, I fairly talk to them on a regular basis and I let them know it's, it's, you know, Hey, just stick to it. And, and they will be on the scene very shortly, right? It's, it's, it's a long process. Don't think like, oh, mate, you're going to get your pro card. But it's like, if you look at it, like over the next three years, you'll get there. So it's not like we don't have some up and coming individuals that are going to be joining our pro ranks soon. 
It's just how can we get certain organizations to speed up that process for them? And uh, I started United Endurance Project, and that's just another arm of mine so that I can go recruit individuals to help them get to the starting line at the highest ranks. Our mission is diversifying the starting lines because I just don't think anyone's going to do it except us. Uh, And I'm just not going to wait on any, any other organizations. I truly believe representation matters and I'm going to do what I can to get certain athletes to the starting line. I love that. So United Endurance Project is this a 501c3 and how can athletes, do you only recruit athletes or can athletes say, Hey, I think I have potential, but I need the help. How does it work if someone wanted to be a part of, um, United Endurance Project? So right now I've just been keeping it small and we're going right doing the paperwork of becoming an official 501c3. But right now it's just me advocating on certain people's behalf, um, getting them the resources that they need and introducing them to the right people so that they can have access to certain things much easier. But once we become a 501c3, 501c3, I'll let people know. But I, like, again, like, I don't have time for paperwork. I want certain people to be on the starting line now. And the best thing that I can do is by helping them right now individually Uh, If you want to get involved, you can reach out to that Instagram uh, account or you can reach out to me and I can talk to you about certain people that I know in the needs that they need. Um, Like I said, I've mentioned three promising athletes that, you know, same situation that I've been in. They're going to need help with registration. They're going to need help with travel costs. They're going to need help with bikes and all those things so that they can legitimately become a pro and have an opportunity of representing because don't forget representing doesn't mean just showing up on the starting line, right? Like I I do that representing legitimately means that you are in the same financial and competitive situation as the other competitors on that starting line. I love it that you are a man of action. You're like, look, I don't see it happening. I'm going to do it. And I think that also segues way into, I hear your passion for just helping others, but you're also a mentor to an organization in Chicago. And I think, you know, Chicago inner city kids, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I'm new to it, but I believe that's Mr. Bernard Lyle's organization. Is yeah, I, I was going to say, I was going to say, I have a small piece. That was, That's Bernard Lyle's group. And if people don't know, Bernard has just, uh, you know, I'm, sh- I'm sure he will be inducted in the Triathlon Hall of Fame shortly because, so TriMasters group has been around, I think, almost 30 years now. And he has helped so many individuals be introduced to triathlon as well as just help them in their professional life because that's what triathlon does. So I think with Bernard and uh, Scott from, at the time, from Lifetime Fitness that reached out to me and was just like, hey, you know, Bernard has his group. Do you want to get involved with this group? And so thankfully it was always Lifetime bringing me in for the Chicago triathlon and allowing me to interact with with the kids and just share with them the knowledge that I have, but most importantly, so that they can see a pro, right? Like I never had that when I got into triathlon. I I didn't have any black people or any black pros to look up to. So it's letting them see see it personally, talk with each other, give them those tips, let them know. We would run clinics and um, let these kids know that, hey, if you want to stick with it, you'll become a pro too and and hopefully be crushing and winning some races and i know probably in what like the next two to three years there's just been some kids that have been in that program for for a long time i remember last time i was there i believe it was in 2019 one of the kids i had seen in 2016 like 2015 2016 just like one of the kids that used to be a little small kid like almost as tall as me <laughs> right so it's it's shocking, but it's also very cool to be able to personally see the growth of a lot of the kids that have stuck with the program. And then hopefully soon we're going to be seeing some of them, you know, either at the pro ranks or just racing at the elite ranks. So that's Tri Masters Group out of Chicago. That's, I'm sure it's probably the oldest, you know, black youth tri group that's been around. Bernard's, Bernard's been doing amazing things. So that's, you know, if you really want to support an organization, 
go donate to that organization because they're really doing great things. They absolutely are. Wow. Um, I love that you have a heart. What would a heart for the youth? I think that that's important and that is definitely going to be the, the baseline that's going to help this work grow. What do you say is also needed to continue to help this work grow outside of just the youth themselves? Uh, a willingness to grow and a willingness to listen and a willingness to look at oneself and understand how you might have played a role in holding certain people back and limiting their access to certain resources. I, I, I just, I, I think triathlon is just kind of being like, oh yeah, you know, we understand diversity, but it's just like, do you understand why <laughs> there is, there's a lack of diversity at, at a certain, at a certain point as well as where where's the reaching out um you know and i do understand that usa triathlon is addressing those but there's more that can be done right there's more that that these organizations can be doing from from marketing aspects i think they're barely they're barely doing that but you know it also just comes down to us like me myself making sure that we're doing what's needed because you know we, we just can't wait on people to to uh address certain things as quickly as we can in understanding the issues that are needed so you know it, it's it's really representation and hoping that these brands and people in the industry can really just kind of take a look at themselves and be like man like we should have a diverse community. We should have a diverse sport. We should have a very inclusive and welcoming of sport. And I still don't think triathlons necessarily there. I think community aspect is there, but at the highest level uh, of sport, I, I, it's not there. Okay, that's um, that's a fair assessment. Well, let me ask you this: If you can put back on your hat from when you were a beginner, and we're talking yeah. to a group of beginners, what would you tell them? they need to do as they're coming into this sport to help it grow from their perspective? Well, first two things. From a training aspect, I'm gonna tell you, make sure you're swimming, swimming a lot, swimming all the time and keep swimming <laughs> because it's just like, you can bike and you can run, you'll be fine. But swim, the more comfortable you are on the swim, swim the, the much more enjoyable that race and training day is gonna go. Outside of that, I think it's holding brands accountable. Support the brands that have diversity. Support the brands that said, "Hey, we understand that we're not doing certain things, and we're gonna and we're doing those." Hold them accountable. Um, I'm a small business. Support the small businesses. There's a lot of very good small businesses in the triathlon space that provide just as good quality of product as the big name brands. So if you can seek out the smaller businesses and, and stick by them um, because, you know, those products are good. Um, and oftentimes those small businesses are already addressing the issue of making sure that there's equal representation and there's equal diversity. I love, I think that's really important. And you hit on something and I have an idea for you. You know, we want to support you as a small business to try beginner's luck. And I feel like beginners should get a nice light roast. Try beginner's luck light roast. You think we can make that happen? Well, you know, light roast <laughs> has a lot of caffeine, right? Uh, yeah, it has a lot of caffeine, okay. but it's, it's, you it makes know. It, my, our, light, our light roast like makes me sweat. <laughs> That's how much caffeine it has. Isn't that what but we want beginners to do? <laughs> it is, but. What's also very unique about how we roast our coffee and the quality of our coffee, since we get our coffee direct and a lot of our coffee comes from women-owned farms, like high quality, um, high quality coffee. Um, we get this coffee from Yemen, but how we roast it, it's very low in acidity. So that's very important that if you swim early in the morning, you got to drink a cup of coffee, you're not getting that acid reflux. Mm. Okay, we got to talk more about that. Let's talk about how did you even get into coffee? You go from <laughs> being a triathlete, being a pro triathlete, and now you're into your coffee owner. How did you get there? Well, so remember, like I got into triathlons because I was working at a coffee shop, like 
in in the gentleman comes in. So it started my career started off like when I was younger. I I knew nothing about coffee. So my like one of my first early jobs was working at a cafe. So I was able to learn what good coffee tastes like at an early age. And then when I started, uh, when I moved out to the Bay Area, I helped scale another another coffee company. But during the entire process, I had a buddy of mine whispering in my ear saying like, hey, do you think you could do this on your own? Do you think you could do this on your own? And I was like, I really don't think I can, right? Like it takes a lot of work. Well, me and that other company, uh, I had a small equity in that other company. They're like, all right this is like we have difference of opinions uh max you're out of this company but we're going to keep your business plan and all your good work and i called my buddy and i was just like dude like i'm out like let's just go let's just make this happen and literally within a month we got labels and upc codes reg company registered all of that within a month and was up and running uh since when i left that other company and that was in August of 2018. Now here we are and continue to expand. I absolutely love it. And what I also love is how you allowed Khadija or partnered with Khadija and allowed her to have her own brew. And that actually is some, that's my first time ever tasting uh, Finn coffee is as a result of having her brew her brood and uh it's delightful and it's very smooth it's the columbia roast and that's a very good quality coffee and i was just like you know because you know same thing you know khadija's got disc and she you know she's amazing she's a legend um she's doing great things in the sport and i was just like you know like someone else came along and she's like oh can we do that columbia blood for our roast i was like no nah. <laughs> only Khadija like no like you know and it's very rare that like a coffee company is going to say like this specific bean is dedicated to one person but you know we made that her and I we collaborated on that label and um we talked about it and so that roast is specifically dedicated to Khadija and those athletes it's really good. And thank you for even highlighting who she is. I mean, she definitely is, like you say, a legend and just moving the needle forward, even with her advocacy for Muslim women and women in general. Uh, but she's definitely someone that I highly look up to. Um, yeah, someone that I definitely highly look up to and just kudos to you. Um, and also, caffeine is a very good legal performance enhancer. So I think everyone needs to go out and get them some fan coffee. Just a little plug. And we're, and we're always open to do special blends. So if you wanted to talk about a special blend, of course, we can figure out how to make that work. Oh, don't worry. We're going to talk about it. I've already planned that. I've already manifested that. We're going to talk about it. Um, okay. But okay, moving on to uh, just some other things. I want to go back to putting this all together. Here we are. Where do you see yourself? It's 2022 now. Where do you see yourself in the tri space in the next five years? Uh, so 34, 39. So I'll, I'll still be racing. So hopefully by then I would have won. I think for me, there's always that possibility with just how my body's going to adapt and change that my best years are still to come because it's just like the accumulation of endurance uh from a business standpoint i'm sure i'm going to be far removed from my business somewhere on you know my california 100 acres <laughs> just getting emails at the night hearing about sales reports and just training all the time but from an athletic standpoint, I see myself, you know, won a few races. Then from the, the other stuff that I do in terms of helping to make sure other athletes have gotten on the starting line. And I, I'm hoping by then we've got at least like 10 other black and brown elite athletes on the starting line that if I can, I've helped, you know, open up whatever doors I can for them. Um, United through United Endurance Project, uh, the dream would be just to give grants of like ten thousand dollars a year to athletes um, through United Endurance Project, and um, and then I also have United Hunters Project, <laughs> that's an NGO and that's a conservation project that me and my buddy have been working on, which is very unique because you have me, first black pro triathlete, 
and he is just got a sponsorship from a bow manufacturer. So I'm like, bro, do you realize I you're like the first or probably the only black guy in the entire hunting industry uh, that is now sponsored by a bow. So he and I are working. We created this NGO to do conservation, food sustainability, and access to clean water. So it's, you know, and by the time I'm 40, it's like, you know, the business is going to be doing this thing, but all these other things are going to be, you know, running full steam ahead. You're so mission-minded and not just mission-minded for the culture, but mission-minded for the world's perspective. How did that come about? I just... Uh, understanding where I come from, understanding where we come from, doing doing history and doing the research and understanding that as a Black Indigenous person, I didn't just come from slavery and literally taking a look at my grandparents and understanding that, you know, where my grandparents were in the South and my grandfather uh, studied under George Washington Carver and George Washington Carver, who's known for being in, in agriculture and a botanist, I believe. And he was the one that talked about like being able to talk to plants, convinced my grandfather <laughs> to go into seminary uh, instead of going into agriculture. My grandfather moved up north and started his own church. And the story goes that when my mom was born, this is like 1947, that when my mom was born, my grandfather and my grandmother went from door to door in North Philadelphia and started his own church. So from my family, we and my mom now works on a whole bunch of boards and, you know, she does a whole bunch of humanitarian work herself, even though she's retired. So my family, we just have a long history of being in service to others, um, having a strong connection to the land and just understanding that you know, we lift as we rise, right? It's not just, it's, it's never been self-centered. I never, my mom never raised me to be focused on myself. Right? We were always doing stuff in the community. We were always just doing stuff with the church, right? Just always actively giving of ourselves to other people. And then I just think that I just live of a certain way that, you know, if I'm not in service to other people, then uh, the universe will uh, remind me of why I'm supposed to be in service to people so I literally like you know it's like I I I just live with that mission of like I got to do stuff for other people not because it's like my ego or anything like that it's literally just like who I am and it's what I come from yeah I wow I think uh and that's why it's important to know your history to know your why and your why will help influence even more decisions greater than just, you know, being a triathlete, but even being, knowing your why and being a triathlete is important because I think it all ties together and it makes your purpose even more, it makes your purpose greater. So bringing it back to triathlon a little bit, I think we went so many different places. <laughs> what's your favorite leg of the distance? Like what's your favorite <laughs> leg of triathlon? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say probably the bike, even though I love running. And now I enjoy open water swimming, but uh, just I'm a strong cyclist. And I think it's always because whenever I competed, I always made up so much time on the bike. I'm just like, oh, I'm so happy to get on, on the bike and start passing people and have that, that competitiveness kick in. But honestly, like I enjoy it all, right? I, I just enjoy the entire endurance aspect, but I, I just love the, I love the, I'm not sure where your listeners are at, but it's just that feeling of when you've done your first 50 mile bike ride and you're like, wow, like I just bike 50 miles. <laughs> That's some serious distance. And I think just that bike allows you to just really knock out like, you know, 30 miles is like an average training ride. And, but it still is like, man, 30 miles is like, it's a lot. It's a really far distance. So, uh, you know, it is. And I'm sure we have listeners from all ranges. And once they get to a certain point, they can be like, hey, I've done the 15 miles. I've done the 25 miles. I've done the 30 miles and I've done the 50. And I do think it's something when you get into those long, longer distances where your mind can just go and you can just be there with the bike and you become one with the bike. It definitely is a higher experience and it takes you to a whole different place. So those of you who are listening who hadn't gotten there yet, get there so you can have that euphoric experience as well. 
what's one piece of equipment that you can't deal without? Like you have to take this everywhere you go. Uh, piece of equipment. Or it can be an object. Uh, just what is it that you, a piece of gear or equipment that you just can't do without? That's a tough question because it's like, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, it's like you could say a watch, but then a watch sends you down a data route and it's very important to train without, like, I don't, either, I used to be a, like crazy about the numbers. Like I haven't been riding with a power meter anymore. Like I used to ride with a power meter and geek out about the numbers. And now I don't ride with, ride with power meter. I can also train without a watch. Um, because there's just so much benefit of just being able to sometimes just go for a run and not have any technology. And I, and I, and I also just want to share with people the importance of just training without technology. So a lame answer would be like your running shoes, <laughs> but the glitzy answer would be like a polar watch that, that has insane amount of data or I also have a Garmin watch you know I have you know I have insane amount of tech that I enjoy but I'd rather if there's beginners out there find a way and even though this question is about equipment just find a way to just get lost in 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 your in your workouts just find a way to quickly get to that point where you're focusing on your breathing you're focusing on breathing being in the moment you're focusing on on your steps because when those dark moments happen in a race experience or even a life experience, if you can just bring yourself to the back to your breath and back to the moment, it just allows you to flow and get back to that flow state and work through that trouble, trouble period. Whereas if you're in a dark period and you're not hitting eight minute miles or eight, whatever minute miles and you're like oh man i'm trying to run and i'm not hitting and everything's falling apart whereas like when everything's falling apart i just come back to the breath be like i'm just happy i'm grateful i'm running i'm grateful for this moment and uh you know i'll get to the finish line when i get there you know at first i wasn't quite sure where you were going with that and i was gonna be like seriously max <laughs> how are you gonna tell the people not to have technology however you make a very good point you know, to get lost in the workout. And I think that is just really some sound advice to find a way to get lost in your workout. Because you're right, if you're not hitting certain numbers, then you're that one time you don't hit it, then everything else in the rest of the workout is trash, even though it's not. But I totally get it. So I can see from both points. However, I'm going to say you need the data because you're going to need to be able to quantify and be able to see where you are, where you aren't going, how to improve. So data is good. And I think what Max wants us to say is just use it, respect the data. Don't let the data rule you. Yeah. Don't obsess about the numbers. And yes, I do go and look back and make sure I didn't, I didn't run 10 miles this week. And then the next week I'm running 20. Right. So I use data from that aspect and I used to be at the point, and it's also different because you you can use the data to a point to once you get that perceived exertion, right? That's why I say, hey, use perceived, look up a perceived exertion chart and then do certain workouts and then learn about perceived exertion because that's what's really just going to help you get a really good feel for how your body reacts in certain, in certain, certain conditions. And I, and, you know, I I remember one time when I was in Kona, uh, I went to Kona one year with a sponsor and I wasn't even competing. And I just remember, like, I got like myself, I got body conscious, right? I was just, man, I'm like, I'm a big guy. So I, I usually hover around like 200 pounds, right? And I, and I remember like texting my coach being like, you know, everyone's so fit and skinny around here. And I feel like a big guy. He's like, dude, don't worry about that. Like, enjoy yourself. You're not racing right now. And I just think that, you know, have your data. And even when I say get lost in the workout, I really just mean just enjoy that workout. Be present in your workout because we're just so stressed and there's just so much going on that when you have that time, like you really let that time be for yourself. And if that workout's not going a certain way, if that race isn't going a certain way, just be grateful that you're out there, you're fit and you're healthy. And just always bring yourself back to that place and just don't worry too much about those numbers. Love. 
And, you know, we don't ever hear about men being body conscious. That, that was new for me. That was really well, if, if you grew up in the wrestling world, I mean, wrestling, it's in, it's in, it's in cross country, right? It's in wrestling. It's in, it's for sure in wrestling. If you grew up in the wrestling world, I can't tell you how many times, right? If, if you're racing, if you're trying to get cut weight, like think of all the things wrestlers used to do. So in the wrestling community, you would always hear about, you know, boy wrestlers that were dealing with certain issues. Um, I think I've just been a person that's just always been self-aware that when I'm like, I'm like, hold on, like what's going on in addressing those things and just being like, you know, that's not my body. And, and, and that's the other, like, I dealt with that in triathlon with people being like, Oh, match, you have to get smaller, right? You have to lose weight to get faster. And I was just, I literally got to the point where I was just like, no, <laughs> like I feel strong. I'm healthy and I'm just going to do my thing. And, and again, that goes back to not <laughs> that, me putting my blinders on and always just perceived exertion of knowing my body knowing my body of being like i don't want to feel weak i hate hitting the wall i hate bonking right so i'm just going to eat right and let my body take care of itself and like let my performances take care of itself i know what my body feels like when it's fit and i know what it feels like when it's out of shape um but it's you know put those blinders on and just really just enjoy myself and um you know just it's it for me, it's really just about being grateful, right? I'm really just the majority of the time just grateful for my health and wellness. Wow, that's such a good way to round that out. And I'm not even going to ask you any more follow-up questions because that was enough. Give me a fun triathlon story, whether it was when you were just starting out or in your pros, just something fun that people would love to hear. Ooh, fun... All right, here's a really good here's a really good interesting story. So my first I think training camp with was with my buddy John Kenny and we trained in Florida and then I think we drove to or we drove to Austin, trained in Austin and then it was like driving to Florida. And one of the one of it was there's this like secret springs area that he knew about and we were going to bike there and then swim in these springs. And I just remember the descent down. It was like a 30 minute descent and he and I were just flying, like, you know, going one after the other. And then when we got to these springs, like I had never experienced cold water until this and the water was 50 degrees. And I just remember that being that changing experience of being like, man, this is what it's like to train as a pro, like be out here in the middle of nowhere and uh, have this experience and experience swimming in 50 degree water. I mean, that's not the most exciting <laughs> of stories. Um, but you know, it's it just, it was just one of those experiences that I won't ever forget. And I got to find where that picture is, but, um, it was a truly unique experience. Love, love and love. But actually, you know, I should, I, I should throw in a, a one more quick, fun experience which would be um racing escape from alcatraz right anytime i've raced escape from alcatraz that swim is insane and this past year uh well 2021 uh we were on the boat and you know i'm finally at the point now where i can read environmental situations and uh, uh, the past two years, I've been mainly swimming open water. I really haven't been swimming in a pool. And, the, and now knowing the Bay Area, I know how the Bay Area works and the weather and the climate. I remember we're getting on the boat and they're like, oh, this is going to be the fastest swim ever. You know, when you get off the boat, the current's going to be so strong. And then I remember just being like, all right, so I know this area. There's always wind, right, blowing up against the current. So I know the water is going to be choppy, which means it's going to be severe swells because of with how fast the current's going and and then when you jump in it's just going to be a washing machine you're going to be all over the place and so they really kept hyping it up and we're getting ready to jump off the boat and they're like it's going to be the fastest swim ever literally we open the doors and i'm like seeing chop and i <laughs> i feel the wind hitting my face and i'm like this is going to be such a slow swim and this is going to be horrible <laughs> and i just remember jumping in and swimming and next thing you know like everyone disappeared <laughs> and it just completely swells all over the place i remember i felt like i wasn't moving i'm like this is the fastest swim ever like i don't know what they're talking about 
And then later I found out this year was one of the slowest swims ever. <laughs> what? And so, yeah, it's exactly what I was saying. I was like, guys, come on. this was... <laughs> So they hyped it up. And then it's just like, you, you're thinking you're going to swim fast. And the next thing you know, you're just getting thrown all over the place. But I think that's why everyone likes to skate from Alcatraz. Because if you, if you want to talk about like swimming in the ocean, ocean, that's, that's it. But it's... It's always rewarding because you're swimming from Alcatraz, which was, you know, known as notoriously horrible swimming, and you make you make it to the shore. So it's always nice. Wow. Okay, we're coming up on our time, but I have to get this in because I mentioned this in the the opening, and you've talked a little bit about archery, but let's talk about this politics. You decided to get yeah. into politics because the local pools were closed in a particular area of town. Tell us about that. Yes, I live in Menlo Park. I literally live down the street from Facebook, right? I, in my neighborhood, you know, it's $5 million houses everywhere. Everything's insanely overpriced. It's, it's Silicon Valley for you. And, you know, just like majority of most American cities, you know, there's a freeway that goes down certain communities that splits, splits the community. The issue is, is like when you come from certain areas and you come to here and people try and make it look like an area is bad and you're just like hey guys this isn't really a bad area you guys are just saying it's a bad area we're talking about you know a gorgeous country club of an area you know uh, a six to seven lane 25 meter pool that was literally just kind of run down and not really looking too well long story short i realized that there was a pathway to be able to put myself in a situation to run this pool you have to present it to the city council well the city council like turned that down and i was just like what is going on like do these people not see the needs of the community members and that's what really just kind of woke me up and really got me kind of looking into who's running menlo park how's our local government really work who's making certain decisions and realizing that a lot of the issues we face can be addressed if you run for local office or if you just, you know, raise those issues in, in, in the right way. So that me running for local office, I actually now sit on, I chair the community engagement outreach for Menlo Park. So we're tasked with addressing the housing issue and reaching out to the community. So it's, you know, it's a community engagement right up my alley. And this isn't going to be the last time, right? There, there's a few other things from a political standpoint that I'm looking at. But, you know, I'm 34, I'm a millennial, and I really think that us, like, we need to step up and start taking over. <laughs> like, I, I just think a lot of these, you know, like, both sides of the aisle, like, I'm, I'm a straight down the middle guy. I just think that, you know, we need people that have a heart, people that aren't in this for for money because running for city council for 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 most areas it's a volunteer job like you're just going to get like a stipend for your cell phone and your gas or it's not to make money but if we want things to change we have to step up right it's it's a a full-time job that you're doing for free but things aren't going to change and you know, if it's at the local level or at the national level, I, I just think that more young people, like we just have to, you know, we, you got to suck it up, <laughs> got to step up. You are the epitome of be the change that you want to see. I think I've heard that throughout the fabric of everything you said today. And I just want to commend you for just going out there, seeing something, you want to change it and you bam, you make it happen by any means necessary. And so, hey, for those of you who are listening, if there's something that you don't like, let's pick up what some of Max is doing and be that change that we want to see. Well, we've come to the time of our, um, I I can literally talk to you like forever. You are such a good conversationalist (laughs) that we could just talk forever, but this has to come to an end for this point in time. And I like to brag, one of the things I'm doing this season is just bragging on some of my um, guests that come through. And then we'll get into our rapid fire. And so I just want to say that um, Max has done some things, y'all. Did I tell y'all that he was a a reality star? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He was on Million Dollar Mile that was uh, executive produced by LeBron James. Mm -hmm. He did very well. He won the 2019 Chicago Super Sprint. 
he uh, also last year in 2020 won the USA Triathlon Tri-Weeks Triathlon Tournament of the 40 greatest moments in triathlon history. And he came out on top. You are a game changer. You are a light bearer. And I just thank you for losing, using your life to infect change in this world. And the world, especially the trial world, will be a better place because of your sacrifice. So thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for uh, sharing my story. I truly appreciate it. Okay. Now we get to the fun part. The thing that people wants to hear. So rapid fire questions, you know, really quick. They're silly. Doesn't require much thought and you'll be okay. So the first thing, do you listen to music? And if so, who's your favorite artist? That's not a rapid question for me because I play the guitar. So <laughs> I have a deep, uh, deep depth of music. So if I was to pick someone off the top of my head, I'm not sure most people would know who it is. It's I would actually, my go-to would be Fela Kuti, really, if people know who that is. Um, <laughs> he's, like the, he's like the godfather of like world music, large bands. Look up Fela Kuti. Fela Kuti, I'm sure you'll yeah. like him. Um, he had a Broadway and, show. Did he? That, oh, probably. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I know, see you tried to try me I know music you was coming for me <laughs> <laughs> but it's like Fela Cootie's like great writing great. music because it's just yeah. like it will put you in a right beat and it's just like it's really good uplifting soulful music it really is I like that I can't believe you was trying me like don't come for me Max don't come for me <laughs> okay <laughs> look you're getting me out of character I'm like how you gonna do this to me what is because well, I, I, I just real quick I just because I feel like people it's just in the back of my mind I'm in this group chat and everyone's trying to tell me great Drake is the greatest like is, is like their top list and I was just like well name name three Drake songs I couldn't name Drake songs <laughs> so my mind just went to that facts I'm not your friends in the text message though no I'm just kidding <laughs> okay what is at the end of a race are you a beer, wine, water, or soda type of person? Yeah, I am like a hydration drink person afterwards. Uh, so uh, for me, I would actually have to say body armor, like fruit punch body armor. Mm -hmm. Especially, I don't know if anyone like freeze. Uh, so when I spend time out in the backcountry, like when it's during July, like I freeze body armor. And then like, you know, halfway through the hike, it's like half of it's melted, you know, when like sports drinks are between slushy, slushy. and ice <laughs> and, and then like you drink it, it gives you that brain freeze and it's like a hundred degree day. Yes, yes. It's just, okay. And it's just like pure sugar and coldness. I love it. I love it. That is, that's, that's old school. I, you have Southern roots for sure. I can definitely tell that for sure by that course, comment. Yeah, yeah. Um, where is your favorite place to bike? California, like right out my door. I live in the Bay Area. Uh, so, I mean, literally like my neighborhood. <laughs> love. Are you a transition minimalist, Goldilocks or kitchen sink? Quarter type. What's that mean? So, like, when you go to transition area, are you, you take just what you need? Oh, minimalist. Yeah. Like, it's, like, I think the more veteran you get, the cleaner your transition area gets. Mm. Okay, fancy. <laughs> what books are you listening to or reading right now? The Destruction of Black Civilization. I just listened to it on audiobook and I'm re-listening to it again. It's actually a really good book. Um, and then a buddy just suggested another one, but like that's literally just a book I just finished. I'm rereading, rereading, re-listening to that. Cool. When you don't feel motivated, how do you push through and get your workouts done? When I don't feel motivated, how do I push through my workouts? throw out the numbers and just focus on just moving or like just go do something that makes me feel feel good so like let's say if I had to go run an hour 
and I'm just having a mentally off day and I'm just bummed about something and I'm just not feeling it. And I just know that if I was to go run or swim, that would just put myself in a mentally place of just like continuing to think about that negative thing. Then I'll just go do archery or I'll go, I'll just go spend time in the wilderness, but whatever just allows my body to move, because I still want to know that I, I did something that made me feel like I was training or kept my endurance up. But, I, I, you know, I'm not like if, if it said run 60, I might just go do archery for 60. Mm, so that's a good cross training. And I think I was following you on social media and you said that you were surprised when you did Alcatraz because you had been doing so much archery. And yet the transition, you were able to not lose much of your muscle and it was a good transition into that. So that's really good to know that archery is like a good cross training for those of you who live in a very woodsy area. Pick up archery. Who knew? But, but not just archery, it's, it, you know, it's mainly the easiest answer. It's just like, you know, if you're having an off day, do the thing that makes you feel good that day. So if you were supposed to run, but you want to swim, just go swim. There's an easy fix. And last question, give one piece of advice to our beginning listeners or those who, yeah, give one piece of advice to our beginning listeners. I, I think I said it earlier in the conversation and I really just can't stress this enough if you are a beginner beginner meaning like last year was your first year or you've only done a year's worth of triathlon like just swim right if you bike twice and run twice and the rest of the time is spent swimming your race is going to be that much more enjoyable if that swimming condition is there Right. So if you, if you spend the next six months swimming and there's minimal biking and running, you're still going to get through that triathlon. But if you spend the next few months, you know, mainly biking and running and minimal swimming, right, it's going to it's going to be a tough day. Well, there it is. Swim. Keep swimming and continue to do more swimming. Well, remember, whenever you try beginners like you always win. Thank you so much for tuning in and be sure to tune in for our next episode. I'm Ashonda and I'm out. Peace. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.